Hello, and welcome to the Lone Star Play Podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Scott Armstrong. The Lone Star Play Podcast is produced by TexasRealFood.com. It's basically a comprehensive directory. It's got a list on there of all the best places in Texas that are butcher shops, farmer markets, uh, restaurants, bars, artisanal shops, bakeries, you know, you name it. Any place that's doing like artisanal, organic, all natural um, you know, products. That that's that's basically what the site will provide for you. You put in your zip code or your city, and then you can find all the cool places that are near you. It's awesome, uh, and it also has like resources. So you've got different recipes, cool blog. There's videos, you know, going out to places and showing you what it's like, or recipe videos. It's just all kinds of cool resources and cool stuff. So check it out, TexasRealFood.com. You can also check out our podcast on there, texasrealfood.com slash podcast, or you can just go to thelonestarplate.com and it will throw you in there. So I got a special guest today. My friend Jacob Barnes is coming on. He's a cellular biologist. I hope I'm getting that right. That's why I'm wearing these glasses. If, if you're listening, you can't see it, but if you're watching, you see me wearing them. I'm trying to look smart. They don't, they don't actually do anything. They're not prescription. I just wanted to you know, be smart today, talking with a smart dude. We're just going to talk about the virus and get down to it. So here we go. Let's do this, guys. I don't want to screw this up. What whatever you know you're doing like right now, what what your career is. So I'll let you sort of just introduce yourself and and talk about what you do. Sure. So uh, I think you know from my background, I studied cellular and molecular biology at Southern Methodist University, and also a degree in general chemistry. I'm currently the director of one of 20 global offices for my company called Brand Institute. Uh, we're a company comprised of pharmacists and other uh, doctors as well as regulatory officials from the highest level in the FDA, EMA, and Health Canada. Um, we specialize in a very niche field that is unknown to a lot of people, and it's around naming pharmaceutical drugs. So what is the name of a pharmaceutical drug? Well, it's twofold. So everybody's seen Tylenol, and then you see this word underneath that is you know, difficult to pronounce, looks kind of foreign to a lot of people, uh, like acetosalicylic acid or acetaminophen. Oh Those God. are non-proprietary names, um, and that is typically, so there's, in the course of clinical development, there's phase one, two, and three, and so those are for assets that have passed preclinical development and have, you know, the highest likelihood of, you know, success. So they'll put them into phase one, establish, you know, safety and efficacy, and that's when we will come in and start on the non-proprietary name. So there's a lot of different rules that it's involved in and companies really don't have the resources to do it themselves. So they use us. We literally named um, like 85% of all non-proprietary names last year. And we worked uh, roughly 75 or 6% of all brand names. And so in terms of non-proprietary name, um, like Adalimumab, there is a, a process for it's very critical to get these names in because you have to as well have like MT37 the name for an asset, but then you have to actually give it the name, right? And it's not a chemical name, but it's a name given by the World Organization and the American Medical Association, which is INN and USAN, and affiliated with health organization. And then USAN is kind of like a little brother. Uh, for the American Medical Association. So we do all that work. Then as things get into like phase three and they're really uh, pushing forward into like those pivotal files and most likely going to get it, that's when they want to work on a brand name. So that would be like Tylenol or, yeah. or you know, Brio uh, projects are, those types of projects are very different from non-proprietary. It involves a lot of safety and efficacy studies uh, globally so we have you know hundreds of respondents all over the world all healthcare practitioners <clears throat> so anybody that would prescription or order a prescription uh, or fill the prescription those people are the ones that will take our surveys 
tell us if there are any other brand names in existence that even remotely sound like or look alike these names that we're proposing because their our whole job is to prevent uh, medication error. So if you're diagnosed with cancer and you're trying to get a certain type of drug in a hospital and the doctor you know, confuses it with another asthma drug, it's not gonna really do you any good. I didn't even think about that. Okay, yeah, that makes total, that makes total sense. Yeah, there's a lot involved in it. So um, we're kind of at the forefront of, you know, getting to learn about all the drugs in development. And we work with, you know, major players, I think all of the major players, um, Merck, AstraZeneca, Genentech, all of those, and then a lot of companies uh, as well, including companies that only have, you know, three to five people in them. Yeah. Um, my territory is pretty massive. It's Texas, Louisiana, Arkansas, Oklahoma, uh, New Mexico, and that is just a lot of ground to cover. That is a lot of ground to cover. That's a lot. Just Texas yeah. alone is yeah. like six states, you know? Yeah, it's, it's ridiculous. Yeah, that is, that is a lot. So, so you're not out, are you, so you're not in like a lab, like with beakers and burner, Bunsen burners, like, I don't know, burning chemicals. I wish that's, that's my passion right there. But I, I do get to dabble in the lab a little bit from time to time, but I'm mostly responsible for leading all of the projects that we work on. Yeah. And then also, you know, helping with, any sort of uh, regulatory guidance and helping them get submission documents in place. There's a, there's a lot. It really takes maybe like six months to do a brand name project and it takes uh, roughly two to two, maybe two to three months to do a non-proprietary name, but the non-proprietary name submission, like once we actually get that into the international non-proprietary names uh, division of the World Health Organization, it takes two years just to get an approval. Wow, holy yeah. cow. So, um, you know, the, the clinical development process to get a drug from phase one to completion of phase three can be, you know, upwards of seven to 10 years. Wow, Jesus. I thought the DMV took a long time. Yeah, seriously. That's yeah, crazy. It, it does take about that long here in Plano. Or in Plano. <laughs> do, yeah. <laughs> Do they, so do, does the name, do you guys start to develop the name while the drug is still in, in like clinical trials, like it hasn't even been approved or anything, or do you right. wait till, so you just start from the beginning sort of thing with right. it. So the non-proprietary name is essential. You have to, whenever you're actually filing to go to market with your drug, you've completed phase three, um, then you're going to have to submit an NDA or a BLA, depending on if it's a small molecule or a biologic uh, to the FDA. And in order, a requirement of that process is to have a non already approved. Um, yeah. Oh, okay. That's okay. essential to get started. That's yeah. Especially since it takes so long, right? Like you said, it takes so long. So the sooner the better, right? I mean, makes sense. Correct. Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, it's so, so basically, you know, the the thing is is you're just trying to not have two tylenols out there or two advils or whatever right like you don't want the the name you can't have something that's like bilanol or something right i mean that's basically the gist of it right in terms of the brand name yes yeah the brand name i mean because that does make sense about it getting confused and i could totally see a doctor you know if one letter's off or whatever um yeah, I never thought about that, but that absolutely makes um, total sense. And there has to be so many drugs out there, right? Like, holy cow, like uh, coming up with the names and just, uh, that's kind of crazy, to be honest with you. Do people like want to try to like name them after themselves or their dog or something stupid? I don't know. Do you get like requests? Yes. Do you get like requests and shit like that? Oh, yes. Yeah. Really? We, we get some interesting requests, man. Uh, <laughs> I worked on uh, a non-proprietary name. We just finished it like in November and it was a company in New Orleans. And so the, the stem, which was like the end of it was kind of set. And so we got to play with the prefix in the name. And so the ending is colimidine. And we did at the prefix, we did NOLA. So NOLA colimidine. 
Got it. it. Oh, that's cool. That's yeah. that's actually pretty cool. Yeah, uh, gives gives them some ownership and yeah. Uh, while they're on patent, there won't be any other uh, drugs out there to, you know, to be a competitor. But yeah. patent, like, there's lots of different drugs you can get with acetaminophen in it. Um, I see. Tylenol and you know, there's Walgreens brand and CVS brand, but um, yeah ultimately the the main ingredient let me ask you this because this is this is my first thought and i know a lot of people are going to want to know the answer to this dude and maybe you know and maybe you don't but are are really the drugs that's like cvs brand or heb brand or whatever of the regular drug are they really the same you know it's a great question and um because i always buy those brands in, the, the in lower, terms of you know, yeah, so it's kind of a twofold answer. If we're talking about Tylenol, yeah, it's the same. You just have to make sure it's the same ingredient, which is acetaminophen or acetylsalicylic acid or ibuprofen or whatever. Yeah. Um, make sure the milligrams are the same because those are what's called a small molecule drug. Um, then we have other larger drugs like protein-based, which are called biologics. Okay you once you make a biologic and you get that approved uh humira is a great example of that it's the most profitable drug of all time uh developed by AbbVie. wow and uh it came off a patent and you know everybody jumped at the bandwagon to try to replicate it but you can't replicate a biologic um each formulation is going to be different you can you have to have it has to be at least 90 percent of what the other biologic is in terms of its makeup but you got it will never be identical. Got it. That makes that makes a lot of sense. Basically what I mean, just to put it in layman's terms, right, for our listeners, like basically, basically the one that can be replicated is, is just a simpler, you know, setup, just maybe a couple ingredients or whatever. And the other one, the biological you're saying is just it's just more complex, right? Just more things and harder to replicate. Is that sort of it? That's 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 the gist of it. Yes. OK, right on. And that makes total sense. That, that absolutely makes total sense. I have always wondered that, like literally my whole life. I can't, and I know people listening and watching this are thinking the same thing. Who hasn't thought that? Because a lot of times it'll be half the price sometimes or considerably cheaper, you know, and I always think, am I just paying for the brand, right? Just for the name of it? Or am I, am I going to screw myself on this? You know, because it is medicine. I mean, you are trying to make yourself feel better. I haven't really had any bad luck with that to be honest with you now again now then again i'm just getting like like you talked about you know tylenol or advil or something and then you know the whatever brand and then maybe some like cold and flu medicine right like i'm not getting anything crazy do they make i guess does every drug have different version like tiers of costs like versions of it or something or not all drugs are like that i know you said that they're all individual but do they try to make knockoffs of a lot of different drugs that we don't even know about? So knockoffs, um, I, I guess not. Not, I don't know the word to use. Yeah, I it, mean, it's, it's competition, right? And competition. There you go. It's what you would call like for biologics, they call them biosimilars because they're not identical. Yeah. I like that. Biosimilars. <laughs> That's spot on actually. <laughs> exactly. And then uh, for small molecule drugs, which is, you know, a large majority of what you know, people would be prescribed or take. Um, those are, you know, mass produced once they go off patent. Um, so at that point, I mean, yeah, identical and um, there's going to be a lot of people that'll duplicates of it, but those are what you would know. That's what you would call a generic. It, a generic there we go that that's that's the word I, I meant to use so do you what do you i mean just like personally do you see that as a good thing or a bad thing i mean in my mind i kind of i see it as a good thing i mean i guess that's part of capitalism right in our country even the healthcare department it it does create competition it does have people fighting to get the best drug out there or does it dilute everything too much and then it's just too hard to pick the right one yeah it's it's definitely a good question um, for me, I think it's a little jacked up the way that it is currently, just because the people that are actually getting a novel or a brand new drug approved that's not ever been on market, those people put in years. We're talking no less than a decade. Wow. 
Holy and cow. We're, that's just for that one particular drug. You know, they yeah. had hundreds of them that were similar, and that was the best one. So think about all the work they're putting into these hundreds of molecules, and they're selecting their top, you know, one or two and pushing them into clinical trials. Oh. Seven-year period. Then you're, I mean, to get through clinical trials, it takes millions of dollars. Because you, because you've got to get, you mean like human clinical trials, right? Like that, that's what, yeah, okay, that makes you're sense. You're having to, you're having to manufacture the drug. You're having to, you know, pay for the studies, all the people involved in the studies, and that's before you ever even know if you're going to make a dollar. Oh my god. Yeah, that's crazy. So what, a, the, what a business the, plan, right? That's like exactly. A, that's crazy. So. so for me, it's, it's twofold, right? Like I understand all the work that goes into it. And I, I see, you know, once they actually go on market, they're there for, you know, X number of years, five, maybe 10 years most before they're going to start seeing competition in there. And that is when they're, that little window is all they have to make money off of it. So it's kind of twofold, right? Yeah, when totally. You want things to be cheaper, more options, more affordable. Um, get things like cell therapies and immunotherapies that are out those cost thousands and thousands of dollars but you only take them once got it it's, it's preparing you like at the cellular level that's the kind of science i'm really intrigued about um but they need to find a way to make it more affordable for people yeah. who yeah have the means um do they do the same thing like in you know, in Europe, or do you even know, is it like, you know, medically, like drug wise competition, is it the same over there? So, I mean, it's all kind of the same around the world, but you have to look at in terms of getting like names approved. Um, there are 30,000, give or take 100, uh, 30,000 different brand names approved in the United States. Are 90,000 approved in the, in the EU. Oh, wow. Uh, they last year they in, they in, incorporated something called Article 57, which instead of each of the individual countries um, having their own little system and brand names, they combined all of them in the EU. So it's what 24 countries that got yeah. into one. Wow. Okay, that is crazy. And there's even some countries that are outside of the, the EU, like on the Eastern Bloc and obviously UK now. So UK has got to have, I wonder how that medically works for them. Are they, you know, is their program still going to be part of the EU or now they're going to have to do their own thing, you know, again, like that's kind of crazy too. I didn't even, you know, how, how it affects that. I mean, I lived in Spain for a few years and I just don't even remember that to be honest. Like I, I just remember all the medication being, everything seemed very um you know i don't know this is gonna sound so stupid sounding but like everything all the medication just seemed very medical like all the labeling all the you know when you went to the pharmacy there weren't any like fancy colorful bottles and you know animals on the front like you know just like weird shit it was just all you know simple labels and you would talk to the pharmacist and tell him how you're feeling and he would give you the medicine it wasn't like you just look through and get stuff you know what i mean like it's all in the back and stuff and they bring it out to you know they 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 get you what you think you need or whatever and there wasn't a bunch of options so not that i remember anyway now then again i didn't get uh sick or anything over there so i mean besides like getting a cold or a flu right so i would just take whatever the whatever was but it just seemed very different um, process. Like they don't have all these ads for medicine and stuff like they do here. You know, it just was a different, just different, you know, but, but I was curious about that over there, even though I lived over there, I still have no effing clue, uh, you know, what, what, what it was just cause again, I was not that I was involved with any of that. So I just never really paid attention. I do remember this one funny story though, the, um, I hadn't taken any. I'd probably been in Spain like, I don't know, four or five months. I had never taken any medicine there. And I was working a job on the beach and I got sick. And I remember my boss giving me this little packet and it was powder. And I said, what is this? He said, take it. It's, it's like Advil or something. But he called it paracetamol. 
And I was yep. like, I, I'd never heard of that. Right? I was like, ah, dude, I don't know, man. Like I'm in a country. I, I just try to take this. Am I going to be allergic? I popped it in my mouth and everything started to go numb everywhere. And I thought, oh my God, I'm having an allergic reaction. Like I'm about to die. Like I just started to get real anxious and whatever. And then it just sort of, you know, went away. But like, we don't have stuff like that. Like we don't have some powder. You just like pop in your mouth and like it, it worked actually. But at first it scared me because I, I don't know, maybe we do have it here, but I never bought anything uh, like that. We, we usually just pop pills and yeah, you know, and, well, and, it, it's, it's, you know, that's just aspirin or, or Tylenol. It's literally the same thing. As <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. I found, <laughs> I found out later, but at the time I was like, what is going on right now? Cause I'd never taken aspirin that way or Tylenol or whatever. What like, you know, it just, it was such a weird feeling to just pop the powder in your mouth and that's how they take it. And just everything went numb and it just felt weird. I thought, and now I have no problem taking it like that. Like no big deal. Um, you know, after a while, but yeah, it was a little, a little weird. Um, it's crazy. So look, man, with everything going on with this and not that you're offering any sort of, um, professional advice or anything like that, but I'm just curious your opinion. I mean, your, your opinion on, you know, the coronavirus and, and how this is, um, you definitely have a different angle to look at it than the normal person. Um, not saying you deal with viruses, but you're going to know more than like me, for instance. So um, I'm just curious what your thoughts are about it, what you want to talk about, uh, if you have anything to say about it. And then I do have a couple of questions, but I'd l rather just start there if you have anything you want to say about it. Sure. Um, so, you know, it's a, a crazy time to be alive right now. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, yes. Very unprecedented. And, you know, from a scientist's point of view, it's interesting, but scary. Um, Mother Nature is literally, literally the most diabolical serial killer there is. I mean, Mother Nature is constantly mutating and evolving in a way, and like always 30 steps ahead of us. Yeah. Always playing catch up and, um, you know, just trying to treat symptoms and in some other cases, you know, trying to eradicate certain disease or uh, viruses, you know, what have you. Um, I think that a good place to start with this conversation is just kind of the difference between a, a virus and a bacteria, right? Yeah, absolutely. I don't even know well, the difference. So antibiotics uh, are what people take for any sort of bacterial infection. Um, bacteria is completely different from viruses in that it's composed of cells uh cells what which is the virus or the bacteria bacteria is composed Got of it. actual living cells and these cells are all able to eat and replicate and it's a good thing there's good and bad bacteria right uh, oh, yeah that's true your stomach yeah, right doesn't your stomach have good bacteria yes absolutely uh, and so the difference between a bacteria and a virus is that the virus is different in that it kind of floats the line between living and not. Uh, mm -hmm. Very interesting. So viruses at their core are very small. Um, so they're smaller than bacteria and bacteria are smaller than cells, human cells. Wow. Viruses are tiny. You cannot view a virus uh, with a standard light microscope. You have to actually use a, uh, an electron microscope to view viruses, but they do come in really cool looking shapes like popcorn and um, very spherical <laughs> types of shapes and very edgy looking shapes. They're really neat uh, just to be looked at. They yeah. That's such a scientist thing to say, right? Like, <laughs> I love that. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Uh, I love that. Essentially, viruses are a blank shell composed of a protein, like a coat of protein. And they also have a lipid membrane uh, that surrounds that protein coat. And then on the inside is nucleic acid. So it can be either like DNA or RNA. And what that is and why that's important is because it's basically genetic instructions. Uh, DNA 
and RNA are what is communicated for cell replication. Got it. So each virus is programmed with its own little message of genetic instructions. So once it is actually able to um, get into your system, its entire goal is to attach to a cell. So it attaches on the outside of a cell and then it communicates to that cell uh, on the outside and it communicates inward about how it wants to replicate. So the interesting thing about uh, COVID-19, coronavirus, um, however you want to say it, is that it actually works similar to HIV and that's scary. Um, the reason, oh, wow. So HIV works by uh, ultimately invading your um, T lymphocytes. So your T lymphocytes are extreme, extremely important for thwarting any sort of, uh, you know, foreign invader in your body. You know, is, is that what they call T cells? Yes. Okay. I have heard T cells before. I didn't know what that meant. Okay. And so HIV actually replicates extremely fast. It is, it literally injects its, you know, mRNA into your cells and then your cells happily make more of it. Wait, the virus has its own like DNA? It has a message, a single strand. A, a, a single strand, like you said, the instructions of what to do, like, boy, yeah. that is, that's it tells, scary. It tells each of your cells how it wants it, how it wants the cell to work. So like, it's, it basically makes all your cells traitors. Eh, yeah. I mean, the cells are, they're not really, they don't really think they go based on signals. Okay. Like little protein signals on the outside of each cell. And, uh, well, I, I mean, I realize they don't like think like, you know, like, have, like, <laughs> like, Oh, did you see the new walking dead? Like talking to the other cell? Like, you know, I get that. Like, <laughs> yeah. All right. All right. So sorry, ultimately sorry. it's, you know, attaching to the host cell and then it's injecting its genetic material to recruit, you know, the host cells enzymes and those enzymes make parts for new virus particles and those new particles assemble the parts into new viruses. The new particles break free and then like they break free from the host cell and they find a new cell. So that you will start to elicit um, immune response. And there are two types of immune responses. There is innate and adaptive immunity. Innate immunity is the first line of defense against you know, pathogens. Um, it's a non-specific immune response. So basically it consists of physical, chemical, or cellular defenses against pathogens. And its main purpose is to immediately prevent the spread and movement of those pathogens throughout the body. The second line of defense is the adaptive immune response. And so if you've had, um, you know, any sort of illness or cold or the flu in the past, your body has already made uh, antibodies that will ultimately, they're programmed. So like your, each of your cells is like a little computer and um, as you're getting sick, your body is learning about it. So when you get sick with that same exact thing, it has antibodies to heal you or make you not show any symptoms at all or not get the illness at all. Wow. Um, okay. Yeah. So very, very interesting how the body works. Absolutely. That's super interesting. Yeah. So the adaptive, you know, immune response really doesn't, it's more of a long-term uh, type of response. Yeah. The innate response, the initial response is just very fast. And it's like, okay, let's throw all this stuff at it and see what we can do. And then the body is not responding. And so then it goes into the adaptive space and it's starting to actually program antibodies. Wow, dude, I didn't, I mean, I knew our bodies were amazing, but that's just another amazing thing to hear that our bodies do. Like crazy. That's just so crazy. Uh, I, I just did not know that. So, so the, the coronavirus 
basically is doing that then, right? It's right. So again, as I, to tie it back to HIV, it's similar in that HIV is, you know, one of the only ones that we know that actually injects itself into the cell and in the cell, uh, happily, not happily, but readily makes more copies. Uh, COVID is different in that it actually inserts the same way into the cell, but then the cell aborts it. So um, at the end of the day, it's not, it's not going to mutate as fastly in the body. However, it's still going to make new virus particles. So um, ultimately, um, to kind of get into where we're at today, <clears throat> there's 18 different uh, treatments or vaccines in development. And, you know, those will not be ready anytime soon. I think the earliest would be probably the beginning of next year. And that, that's extremely fast tracked. Oh, really? Like that's just development you're saying? No, that's, that's clinical trials. So, oh, okay. Are, there were already molecules that were in development or about to be in development for other indications. And when I say indication, it's different diseases or viruses or what have you. Yeah. And so we have, um, I'm sure you've heard of like remdesivir or, um, uh -uh. Chloroquine or hydroxychloroquine. That yeah. Yeah. I heard the president talk about that. So, uh, quinine, uh, is what's used to fight malaria. And so you can kind of see chloroquine is very similar in the name. Um, so chloroquine is actually intended for like anti-malarials and they're hoping that it can be used, uh, you know, to fight the symptoms or at least shorten the treatment time for coronavirus. Uh, from what I've seen, it's not too promising. Yeah. But you never know. Um, the, the good news with uh, like kind of where we're at today is kind of twofold. Um, you know, we've studied this before in terms of coronavirus. We have studied uh, previous, you know, SARS slash COVID. Let's define coronavirus real quick for people, just so that if, in case they don't know what that means, because I think a lot of people think coronavirus is just the COVID-19 and they're, they're, you know, the same thing. And, and one is naming the like COVID-19 is a type of coronavirus, right? Because coronavirus is just a generic term, right? It just means new virus or something like that. So coronavirus has been known to us for a long time. Um, I actually studied it at SMU. What was that? Jesus. Um, <laughs> and there's also SARS, right? So just different types of viruses and, um, you know, they're inherently infecting like pigs and mice, not mice, but uh, like bats. And a lot of these infections or outbreaks typically happen um, in underdeveloped areas such as like India or other places in Asia. Yeah. Typically where we'll see these types of outbreaks, but this is different, right? So there's different types of coronaviruses. There coronavirus is actually a large family of viruses that are, you know, common in people and you know, different species of animals. But um, rarely these coronaviruses that are in animals infect people and then spread between people. Um, so back in like 2003, we had an outbreak of MERS and coronavirus. So it's like a little combination there. And now we have, um, we've also had SARS-CoV-1 and now we have SARS-CoV-2. SARS-CoV-2 is, is what's widely known as COVID-19 or coronavirus. Coronavirus is a blanket term for a lot of different viruses in that family. So that's why people kind of reference it to COVID-19 because SARS-CoV-2 is just kind of weird to say. Okay, so that's the same thing. SARS-CoV-2 is, is COVID-19. Correct. I didn't know that. Okay. And 
So we actually looked at developing uh, vaccines. Uh, what was that? Like in 2003, we tried to develop some vaccines because you know, we wanted to thwart that in case it you know, did spread. But there were tons of different vaccines or treatments put through the clinical development pipeline and none of them were effective. They were animal models, but they weren't effective. And yeah, you know, so that's, that's the bad news. Yeah. Um, we've studied it and we've been unsuccessful to date, but have also changed a lot scientifically since 2003. Yeah, sure. So you said there's eight, 18 potential vaccines that are developing right now. There's a lot more than that. And, and yeah. in clinical development, there's 18 different treatments. Gotcha. Treatments are different than vaccines. Got it. Okay. I see. Is intended, a vaccine is basically like taking a small portion of a virus and re, like volunteering to put it inside of you so that your body can have the adaptive immune response we talked about earlier if you become infected. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, really? That's what a vaccine is? That's what a vaccine is. Oh, shit. <laughs> Damn. Oh, okay. I didn't. So when you get the flu vaccine, they give you the flu. Um, they give you a couple. I mean, a, you know. They give you a whatever. couple different strains of it. Um, they're not giving you enough. They don't give you enough viral particles to necessarily make you sick, but you can feel fluey for the first yeah. time. Totally. I, I mean, that's um, happened to all of us, I think, a little bit um, here and there. Um, but that's interesting. Okay, so no, that's interesting. What on is... that topic of flu vaccines, I never get it because there's nothing better than you can do that you can do for yourself than to practice good hygiene. Yeah. So I open doors with my shirt um, or I wash them. If I touch any door handle, I will go straight to a sink and wash my hands. Um, it's oh my. all... God. You know, transferring anything sure. to your mouth or a nasal passage. That's really how you get viruses. And so um, viruses can live on different surfaces for different amounts of time. Uh, coronavirus, for instance, if you cough or sneeze, it's going to be like in your living room and you cough or sneeze. And then somebody comes in there 30 minutes later, they can literally breathe in those viral particles that are still floating in the air and contract coronavirus. Oh, shit. Um, if somebody coughs Fuck. on their hand and touches a rail, uh, it can literally live on that rail for like up to four days, I think. Holy cow. Oh, my God. And you know, rails and stuff aren't getting cleaned. You know what I mean? It's not like... They're being cleaned a lot more now than they. Yeah, I mean that's a good point. But, um, that's that's a good point. It's it's scary. Right? Yeah, it is scary, man. It's got to be even scarier for someone like you who knows the actual truth of shit. I don't even know how you get up out of bed in the morning knowing what's out there in the world that can kill us. You yeah, know I, mean? I, I know a lot of deadly, deadly, deadly things, and I've convinced myself a number of times that I had them. Like when I was studying parasitology in New Mexico for a few months putting together like all the, the research for a publication. Um, we're studying Paramiscus maniculatus, which is just a common deer mouse. And so we were catching hundreds of them and then you know, them and looking for specific uh, parasites in them, but that's not really what I was bringing this up for. Um, the, uh, these deer mice and their feces, they, if they have, there's something called Pontovirus. Pontovirus is one of the most viruses that we have in existence um, so mice a mouse has hantavirus and it defecates somewhere like in your cabin or whatever and then you go to sweep it up and somehow these virus particles from the species you know get into the air you breathe them in and you contract hantavirus this will literally kill you within a few days jesus yeah, and there is no cure. Oh my! And um, God. A lot of the, I was working with so many of them, and I ended up getting really, really sick one day. And oh. um, they they took me straight to the emergency room, and they tested me. And when I say tested me, they had me crap in a 
cup and give it to them to study. Yeah. <laughs> and I was just <laughs> How embarrassing, right? Yeah. Here, like, a... <laughs> I'm sitting here thinking I'm going to die like in the middle of nowhere. Oh no. Studying, <laughs> ra- studying ma- mouse feces. You're like, this is not yeah. how I want to go out. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah, I didn't have it. Although I had a lot of those symptoms. I'm, I lucked out on that one. Oh my God. God, dude, that has that has to be so nerve wracking for scientists. And, you know, if you're studying it or whatever, you're in a lab, you're dealing with these viruses. Like, I can't even imagine, um, you know, like just working in a kitchen and like having a good steak you don't want to fuck up is enough pressure. Like, I can't even imagine having like some deadly (laughs) virus you're like playing hot potato with like, oh, forget it, dude. I mean, so much respect to you know, the medical community, you know, right now, just shout out to all, you know, professionals on the front lines, professionals in your field that are, you know, going to get us a vaccine and some drugs and treatment later, right? Like that's super, that's the long-term game. It's like everything's being handled right now. So, so well from the medical uh, side of things, at least, at least from my, my perspective, you know, I have an aunt who's a nurse and just outside of Atlanta, she's working, seven days a week, you know, just all day long, um, you know, trying to help people, whatever, you know, same, same story you've heard. So this is crazy, man. This is just, this virus is crazy. Like what, you know, when you hear something like this, this is a good, this is what I've asked every guest that I've had on since I've started this virus, um, you know, testimonies or whatever, everybody I've talked to, like, what was there a day or a moment when you knew that this was serious? I knew it was serious, um, literally the first I learned about it. And this was before there was ever a single patient. I saw how fast it was changing uh, or replicating amongst people in Wuhan. And um, I also, you know, was digging into that and kind of getting a feel for how much they were actually divulging. Because once it becomes news, it's happening weeks before that. Yeah, that's so a good point. Time, uh, like, there was an article I saw just yesterday that um, the first death we had in the United States uh, was, I think, Washington. And the person that actually died from coronavirus died three weeks before that in, in the United States. Oh, my God. That was three weeks before we even knew it was here. That's crazy. We already dying from it. Yeah. I mean, it's, I, I mean, I have to believe that some of those numbers are just a little off just because for that reason, I mean, there's probably a lot of people testing isn't that widely done in the U S so there has to be people that have had it and we don't even know about it. Right. So to me, the cases are even more than we know, um, uh, yeah. you know, right. I mean, and then it's right. It's just crazy. And these numbers are, are insane. Do you see the protocol? as you know, for social distancing and shutting down place, do you think that is, you believe that's the right protocol that we're doing? That is, that like, is the uh, only protocol. If you care about, you know, grandparents or children or even yourself, it's not specific to age about who's going to die. There are healthy people in their 20s, 30s, children um, all dying. And it doesn't, just people with, um, medical history it's really anybody what's happening um very scary but at the time what we're what's been implemented to keep us apart it's just kind of mitigating uh the problem want it to become too serious all at once because our medical facilities they can barely handle it as it is right um People that go on ventilators, the large majority of them never get off. They die. Oh. Um, oh, it's but, so, like, what's happening um, with people kind of fighting this stay-at-home order and they're saying, you know, you're taking our rights away and things like that. Sure, that's one way to look at it, but it's a very, very selfish way to look at it. Yeah. Um, Ultimately, if we start integrating everybody like right now, it's just going to infect literally everyone. And this is a big, big problem, right? Because the people who are getting it and then recovering, if you have time, 
typically your body should make it, you know, not as severe. It's actually shown that it's more severe. Uh, you get it a second time. That's that's what the data has been showing recently. Oh my god! Also, that doesn't sound good. No, it's not. And also for men, uh, men are much more likely than women to contract coronavirus. Um, the split is something like 60-40. Uh, and that's just, I th we think it's because, you know, women have different chromosomes than men. And yeah. They actually have a stronger immune response uh, than men just in general. So that's kind of why but um a lot I, I i read an article and this you know this would be this is your this is your chance to be snopes.com i read an article you know on facebook of course you know it has to be real but it said that potentially the reason that maybe men are getting it more than women is because of the our testicles not to be gross people but i'm just trying to use a, a medical term your testes your you know your 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 boys down there I guess it's not connected to the immune immune system and it can linger in, in your testicles longer. So you might have it a couple more days than a woman. I don't know. That's an article I read. I, yeah. I don't know about that. Uh, that's not, that's not, I'm so glad I asked you that dude. I, cause that's, it's not like an idiot saying that. Uh, that's what I read. I mean, I, you know, that's a bit far fetched. Um, you know, okay. Well, a lot, I know a lot of people have read that, so they're probably thinking the same thing, like, oh, shit, I don't want anybody cutting off their nuts right at home, yeah, like thinking, oh, that's going to save me. Uh, I'll just, you know, do that. Okay, so please, if you've read that, just just ignore that. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the ratio between men and women is accurate. It's like roughly 60% men uh, who've been infected with it and, you know, 40% women, and yeah. that's why that's not just here. Okay, okay. So... What's interesting is, you know, the people that are working on potential therapies, there's something called the cytokine pathway. And it's very, it's, it's, it's like going to the moon and starting to really look at it, right? We have not fully understood the cytokine pathway. So cytokines include, you know, things like and interleukins are basically the forefront of our immune response, right? They're like proteins um, that kind of communicate to the body and start to get different types of immune responses going. Uh, so typically, not typically, specifically, we're looking at the interleukin-6 pathway um, as a way to reduce inflammation because the interleukin-6 uh, actually is a pro-inflammatory cytokine. So what's happening with people's lungs is inflammation, right? And when you have a lot of inflammation in your lungs, it's like having asthma, right? So people with asthma or COPD are at more risk. Um, they already have that inflammation. They know what it feels like, but when it becomes too inflamed, you can't breathe. Yeah. You can't yeah. actually physically get air into those uh, alveolar spaces. So we're looking at the IL-6 uh, pathway as, you know, for different treatment options to yeah. turn off. If we turn those off, maybe there won't be so much inflammation. Maybe we can, you know, reduce those symptoms. And that would be a major, major uh, victory. Uh, absolutely. That sounds, that, that's definitely um, something I've read and heard about people like that, that being one of the main systems, not being able to breathe, you know, having that, that issue to breathe. I've known a few people that have had the virus and that's definitely all of them, all that they all say that, right. They've all said that, that particular thing. Um, I've even known some people that have passed away, unfortunately from the virus. Um, oh, wow. I'm yeah. Yeah, man, it sucks dude. The virus is, is, anybody not taking it seriously like in my book like i'm done being mr nice guy like i'm sorry but holy cow like it's real <laughs> it's it's as real as can be so uh you know again i've just I, I talk to people all week long that deal with the virus and how it's affected their business or this or that or what they're doing to help the community right so like it's real i think for the people that maybe like you said it's I just don't know what's 
it's selfish, right? They're just thinking about their life and where that's going and that's it, you know, but at the same time, you just, you can't do that because this doesn't, this, you know, this situation doesn't just affect you. That's the problem with this. I'm all about do your own thing, freedom, you know, live your life. I don't care. Right. I, I'm absolutely, but this is something that I'm sorry, but if you go out, you could kill me. So it just, we can't have those same freedoms as, as much as I hate to say that it's just not the same right now. And I'm just done with people like not taking it seriously and, and just being nonchalant and wanting to get back out there and just do whatever. And like this, right. Las, like this Las Vegas mayor, I don't know if you saw that interview where she like literally offered up the city of Las Vegas as a control group to see if it'll work. Like right. we'll, we'll, we'll test it for you. We're willing to, you know, take some lives uh, for it. This is how the mentality, uh, even our Lieutenant governor of Texas has said that getting our economy back is more important than life or something. It's like, what? What, there is no economy without lives in it. Like, what kind of economy are you going to have? Everyone's dead. Like, I don't, I just, yeah. I mean, it's, it's not going to kill everybody. I mean, uh, not going to kill everybody, but we don't know, right? That's the problem. It can get passed to this person and you don't know how their body's going to respond to it. And, right. That's, it's about, you know, if you're putting yourself at risk and you're putting people that you love at risk and you're putting people that have people who care about them at risk. Yes. I don't even know. Yeah. And, the thing is, the scariest part is that you can get the virus and be sick as hell, and then I can get the virus and never even know I had it. Because how, how crazy is that? Being, it's called being asymptomatic. That's the scariest thing that we're facing right now is that people still going to work and going out that are infected, literally infected with coronavirus spreading it to others and they don't even know they have it that's crazy uh in addition to that you don't have to have symptoms to spread of this virus or any virus um you know this particular coronavirus i've been reading and hearing that it can actually spread two to three days before you show your first symptom so that means you're able to spread that's oh. it's like being asymptomatic or spreading before you have symptoms and not even knowing you had it like that's that's dangerous right so, totally because how would you even know to you know quarantine yourself right or whatever the steps you need to take like you wouldn't even know to do it so a lot of a lot of time and that's why you're saying social distancing flattening the curve getting it to where our health system can handle the load of people coming in right i mean that's basically the idea the idea is look we're all gonna get it or some of us are going to get it and, but we just can't all get it at the same time, right? We got to get, we got to basically spread it out throughout the year, I guess. And, you know, balance it out to where the hospitals can handle people coming in and going out and, and people slowly develop the antibodies and whatever. I mean, I guess that's the idea, right? It's just sort of spreading out the madness. Uh, yeah. I mean, in terms of, this whole ebb and flow of the virus, it's going to slow down in the summer um, just because viruses typically don't thrive in heat. Okay. Too extreme of temperature. Yeah. You don't see a lot of flu and stuff like that in the summer. That's true. When we get back to November. That's when this is all going to ramp up just the same as it did the first time. And, so it, it may be okay to get back to work here uh, in the next month or so. Um, there will still be cases and people still need to be smart about you know, keeping a little distance between yourself and anyone around you. Um, yeah. Not shaking hands, obviously, just bump elbows or whatever. I mean, that's probably the smartest thing to do, right? Wash your hands all the time. Uh, yes, absolutely. Um, ideally with hot water, if you can stand it. Uh, best way to go about it. Uh, a lot of people are using Purell and things like that, but those are those typical antiseptics. Uh, so antiseptics are what will actually prevent or destroy like a virus on your hands. Oh, okay. The whole it it's really not working against coronavirus. So like, so I have this right. This is just hand sanitizer, and it says seventy percent alcohol, and then I have 
just rubbing alcohol, which actually it says 70% as well. Uh, but I find using just the rubbing alcohol with, I've mixed it with rosemary. That's why it has that color. Um, it's not like my pee bottle. Cause that's actually what it looks like in this video, but it's, um, it seemed to work the best, but I feel good putting it on. I don't know if it's actually doing anything. Um, yeah, I mean, it's definitely like it's getting rid of any other, um, potential pathogens on your hands. It'll get rid of a lot of it. Yeah. Right on. I mean, I wash my hands and then I use that like after, you know, I, I sort of do both. Um, I don't know, you know, I'm just, I guess I'm just, um, paranoid a little bit, right? Like a lot of people just sort of paranoid about it. So I'm constantly washing my hands They're getting dried out. So I'm having to use lotion too, right? That's a problem for everybody. Um, and, and this glove thing, right? So, you know, coming from the food industry, like I know how to wear gloves and how to, you know, use those protocols in the kitchen, right? And you change gloves a lot, to be honest with you. But what I'm seeing is people wearing gloves all day long, the same gloves. It makes, it's not right, right? Like that's, you're still transferring everything. You're not, it doesn't help. And a lot of ways I think people wearing gloves out is a negative thing. You should just be washing your hands more instead. I don't know. That's my theory on that. Yeah. It kind of weirds me out when I go and get, you know, like Chick-fil-A or something and the people are sitting there in the drive through window and they're all passing things to each other and then to people in their cars, uh, yeah. limit, you know, actual touch between the, purchaser and the employee but these people are wearing these gloves and whatever's on those gloves they're bringing it to every bag they touch hey, that's and that, that's my point exactly like they don't and the even the food it. places are not changing gloves enough they're just not they're wearing the whole time and yeah. and touching the the keyboard right and the computer monitor and then like you said they touch the bag they give it to you then the next person comes up they touch that next bag and give it to this person i mean essentially you'd almost you'd literally have to change gloves every single time for it to be effective uh ideally yeah i mean it ideally in increase the amount but i mean there is no perfect way to yeah spread uh it's an airborne type of deal there's like you can't that's crazy and you can't see it you don't see like a little cloud yeah. this is coronavirus <laughs> Yeah, that would be so great, right? If we could just avoid it that way, like a video game, right? Just R three, and you can like see see the environment and see where the where the virus is at. And um, yeah, I mean, like you said, people just need to be careful, cautious, even when things open back up and get going. Because today in Texas, they're allowing uh, non essential businesses to open up. You know, you know that's that's happening. So there's some restrictions on them, but yeah. Totally. It's all pick up, I believe, right? You can't actually go into the place. Um, but it does increase touch, right? Touching the product that then goes in your car, right? So, um, and, and people are just getting out. I, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't, I'm, I'm for it, to be honest with you, just because of what it's doing for the restaurants. Like they're allowed to sell alcohol now, like from their inventory and make cocktails to go and you can, you know, take that home now. So, yeah, I like that because that was such a big loss for restaurants and bars and a lot of them were going to go under if that didn't happen. So, yeah, I'm happy about that. I mean, I don't want to see the economy crash, too. I get people's frustrations of wanting to go out and get back to work and get back to life. I get it. But I guess it's just if you trust science and if you see the bigger picture and if you care about community, then that's what you're doing. If you don't, then you're doing the other thing. Right. I mean, it's pretty simple. Well, when it comes down to it, this is this should be a huge wake-up call for people to get back to basics in terms of take care of your damn self. Wash your fucking hands. Just do it. Yeah. Wash it. Wash them so many times throughout the day that you can't that you lose track. Yeah. You do that. Literally putting other people at risk and yourself. Yeah. Good point. So every Absolutely. single person gets sick. Yeah. And people, you know, throw their hands up. Like, I don't know why I got sick. Well, I'm like, I know exactly why you got sick and why I don't. Yeah. The flu vaccine. I just need to wash my damn hands and not sit, not sit around people I can see visibly are sick. Yeah. Yeah. You're right about the, right? Like you just touch your mouth, you, you rub your mouth, you hit your eye, you whatever. Um, yeah, absolutely. And when people aren't washing their hands... I mean, so many people just normally don't wash their hands, but I think you're right. This is a good opportunity for people to 
take inventory right of their life now moving forward and how they're going to treat this and like you said take care of themselves and not and just to take care of your body you know eating right getting some exercise right like building up your immunity system is helpful too right in this absolutely always yeah. take care of yourself yeah definitely helps yeah Damn, Jacob, to be honest with you, dude, I could talk to you for hours, dog, about this. Like I have, I can't remember the last podcast I did where I just wanted it to keep going forever. Cause I have so, I have a million questions for you. Like you've been so great today, dude. You've, you've, you've really provided a lot of interesting and insightful information, man. Um, and I just can't thank you enough, dude, honestly. And all your answers are just very put together well and just made sense and easy to understand. And um, I just really appreciate that, man. You're really going to, you know, the, the people that do listen to this and watch this are, are definitely going to appreciate it. I know I do. Um, you know, you've opened my eyes to some things I just didn't even know yet, you know, and, and I'm in and I'm inundated in this information all the time. Uh, but just some things I just didn't even hear about. So, again, I might have to have you back on in a couple of weeks, dude, just to go over some more stuff. Um, to be honest, I might even get some questions from people to ask you. So I don't know, just saying, thank you, man. I really, really appreciate it. Absolutely. You know, very welcome. And I hope it, if, if I help at least one person that that's, that's worth it, you know? Absolutely. Oh, you absolutely did. It could even be you. I don't even care. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know what I mean? Yeah, of course. Of course. Absolutely. Yeah. You definitely helped me. Like I said, um, there was a lot of stuff I just didn't even had no clue about. You know, and why would I? I don't know this stuff. That's not what I study. Um, it's great to get your perspective. And it's great to get, you know, someone who knows from their field, right? I mean, it's just that simple. It's 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 literally that simple. I'm going to talk to a plumber about pipes and a roofer about roofs and a cellular scientist, biologist about that stuff. <laughs> I don't even know the right. This feels like a Joe Rogan podcast, right? When he has like somebody on super smart and then he's just like some chimpanzee who doesn't know how to deal with it like one time one time i had an astrophysicist on my podcast this other podcast that i had one of the it's literally one of my favorite podcasts i ever done i mean i was so intrigued by this lady and what she dealt with and you know uh, the but the conversations were just you know what i mean just oh my god that the the stuff she was talking about was just so intense and so big and so uh, but I love that stuff. I love learning about it. And I know a lot of people that are listening and watching are very interested in this stuff, even though it sounds very technical and medical or whatever. It's super interesting. And especially right now, we need a lot of that information, man. And it's hard to it's hard to swim through everything that's out there right now and really pick what's right, right? I mean, here I am telling you about the nutsack theory that uh, guys get more sick than women. Like, it's crazy, but I read it and just like anybody, you're going to think, well, is that true? Is that, is that something it's, you know, um, it's just tough, I guess. Uh, so thank you, man, for just providing clear, concise information. Absolutely. And, uh, just to put a little caveat there, that's information based on where we're at today. This is something that we do not know a lot about, right? We know a lot, we've learned a lot in the past months or so, but we don't, we're scratching the surface here. Yeah. This is something that, you know, all hands on deck. And I have companies that, you know, they're solely focused on cancer drugs and they have pivoted to nothing but coronavirus drugs. So that's oh, wow. all over the United States. So we wow. literally have, you know, the best and brightest minds really looking at ways to either treat symptoms or uh, prevent the virus altogether, which is ideal, uh, maybe unlikely, but you know, it's possible. That's awesome. I didn't know that either. See, that's great. That's, that's a, that's, that's hopeful, man. The, like that's actually hopeful. Some of these things that you're saying, like it gives me hope, um, to be honest with you. Uh, and it also just is truth, right? A lot of times, a lot of the most frustrating part, and like you said, all this is changing, so things could change, but a lot of the most frustrating part about all of this for a lot of people, I'm sure yourself included, is just not knowing, right? Timelines, and maybe you know more than than most people, but I know for a lot of us, like, just timelines, you know, like, well, when is this going to end? When is this going to happen? You don't know, and you can't plan anything, and it's very frustrating, um, you know, because that's how we live our lives, right, in a calendar and booking everything, and it's just really hard to do some of that stuff right now, and um, so 
you know, I guess the, the most, the, the for certain things that we do know are, you know, social distance, it, pay, pay attention to the orders, keep your distance. If you are going to go out, keep your distance, wash your hands, stay clean. You know, those are for certain things that we know we can do and support, you know, local businesses, you know, support your local health professional. If you, you know a way, give back to the community, you know, do what you can. If you can donate, um, you know, things like that. Um, right. Just anything. If you feel just incapacitated at home, those are some ways to feel like you're, you're doing something. So. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. Uh, yeah. And in terms of supporting small businesses, support small businesses, do not support chains. Yes. Yes. Support people that are literally fighting for it. It makes me sick to see some of these loans that have gone out to large companies like <laughs> Ritz Carlton, for instance, got like $60 million. It's like, what the hell do you need that money for? They don't. <laughs> they don't. Ruth's Chris, right? Shake Shack gave back their $10 million, Thank God. Yeah. I mean, they, um, they got a lot of heat for it. Of course. Of course. I mean, Ruth Chris, Ruth's Chris, I think, made 400 and something million dollars last year. Yeah, and here, and here they are getting a loan. I mean, same with Shake Shack. Shake Shack had to make almost $500 million, and they asked for a $10 million loan. I mean, it's like... I think they're in the billions. It, it could be. They could be. I don't know. It's um, disgusting, but yeah. It, it is. It's disgusting. You're right. So, yes, support small businesses. Hashtag support local. Absolutely. Yes. Yes, 100%. Well, thank you again, man. I know you're probably working and in the middle of, you know, doing important stuff. This is my important stuff. I just got to make sure my hoodie fits right and that my mic's working. And then I'm, I'm this is it. This is as important as it gets. Um, so, but thank well, you again. Oh, you're very welcome. <laughs> I, I let you go over by almost 30 minutes, so. Oh, please, bro, you, I, I appreciate it so much, man. Like I said, you, you, it was just, this was so interesting. Dude, I could just talk to you for hours about this. I mean, I love talking to you anyway about anything we would talk about, but uh, especially this, man. Um, so again, dude, thank you so much. Get back to what you're doing. All right, take care. All right, bud. Be good. Bye. Bye.